This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni on this side. This- We're over here and you're over there. Yeah. You're always to the east. Oh, that doesn't help well, me. Well, you live next to the oh, ocean, that so just- I don't either. I know, but uh, yeah. That's that. I'm really looking forward to the That's conversation. That's how I find my way home. Drive towards the ocean. As long as the ocean is on a certain side of me, I'll never be lost. See, that's one of the handy things about an ocean is you cannot drive too far east if the ocean is to the east because eventually you run out of dry ground. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to the conversation today because you want to talk about Jesus and Jesus in new thought terms. So you you have a pretty strong background of Jesus from Jesus following terms. So explain what you were thinking about. My background or my concept or idea of Jesus, even when I was in the traditional Christian church, was always outside of the box, I'm told. Just always stretching the limits and going over and whatever. That's not difficult to do. I mean, all you have to do is read a few books outside of the Bible and you'll get a bigger perspective of Jesus. But however, coming to New Thought, the perception of Jesus is even more amazing. It's more multifaceted and it has become delightful. It it depends on who you're talking to, by the way. Mm Also, I had mentioned to you that there are so many different new thought, in Christian terms, would say denominations. Mm -hmm. Little little branches that we have. Yeah, and each of those branches, although it's like the umbrella of new thought and Ernest Holmes is at the, you know, at the baseline of it, everybody seems to maybe approach or embrace Jesus with a different intensity, I'll say. Yeah. And yeah, and so that was a little bit difficult for me to figure out, but uh, it's really neat. So I wanted to ask you, from a religious science perspective, where Jesus is and what the int- the general interest in terms of intensity, where does he fall? Does Jesus have a place of authority? Okay, I will start with that. I was going to start by talking about the different major branches of New Thought, but we'll do that later and instead talk about Jesus as we look at him in new thought, a lot of ways in general, but in religious science or science of mind, which is the one that Ernest Holmes founded, which is one that I am officially trained in, is that instead of being our great exception, Jesus was our great example. And he was, as you have pointed out numerous times, he was a man and he was also with this Christ consciousness. So he embodied all of those high-minded 
elevated spiritual aspects that we are all yearning for. And he didn't come along as far as we're concerned to say, I got it and you don't got it. He came along to say, I got it and you can have it too. And all you got to do is stop doing things the way that you used to doing them and do things in a new and enlightened and higher perspective way. And you'll get the same sort of result or experience that Jesus got. So when we say, you know, there's God and then there's Jesus is the son of God. And then there's the rest of us. We are talking about separation and in new thought, in all of these unity teachings, we start with the belief that there's one God. God sharing itself as all of its creation. That includes Jesus. That includes Carol. When I first, and I'm going to say stumbled upon Ernest Holmes, because that's pretty, that's pretty much how it was with me. And to stumble upon Ernest Holmes with the textbook mm -hmm. that is only this thick. Oh, it's 600 and something pages. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is, it's stumbling. But when I read just this one line, because I refused to read the summaries you know, that people oh, the, have written so the, the wonderfully, notes. actually. I wanted to straight. And the one thing that grabbed my attention was Jesus is not the great exception, but the great example. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget how many times I read that. I mean, right there, sort of the whole lesson for the day was over because I just kept reading that over and over again because I could not believe I found it. Yeah. I found something that resonated with me and it was in a thick book. You know, once something's in a book and it's written, <laughs> so people think that that's it. But to know that it was actually something that people believed and I wasn't weird mm -hmm. that, you know, and I wasn't being disrespectful that Jesus is not the great exception, certainly exceptional. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah but something that you and I can be also. And that's right in the Bible, you know, and Jesus says it himself. Oh, yeah. Nobody believes but him, but... It's like, uh, that's yeah, it's exactly, exactly what I was going to say. Nobody believes it, but it's there and it is to be believed. Right. And I think if you don't believe that the journey is much more difficult, you know, if you can just kind of jump that first hurdle... Mm -hmm then your journey is going to be a little bit easier. Yeah. And the line that I'm thinking of the passage in the Bible is all this I do, you can do and more. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't seem really ambiguous. <laughs> it doesn't seem like this. it's coded or anything. I'm sure it's possible to interpret that he didn't really mean everything that he did I could do because I can't possibly do that because he's Jesus, the son of God, and I'm this lowly sinner. But... I don't think he said that. <laughs> I think he said, all this I do, you can do and more. Exactly. Exactly. And I think what you just said, that people say he was Jesus and whatever, that's like an excuse mm -hmm. or a way not to become. Because here I go with this. This is hard work. Mm -hmm. It's some work to this. And it's okay. So because everything worth having takes a little bit of energy to do that. And this in particular takes energy because you're unwrapping, unraveling a belief that's been inside for a long time and having the guts, the nerve to dare <laughs> to, <laughs> to think a little bit differently, add something on it. Maybe just to, let me just entertain this thought for a minute. And actually nothing's going to happen to you if you do. It'll be okay. Right. You know, 
my mom's Pentecostal and my father was Methodist. And if you could imagine what dinner in those days, you had dinner at six o'clock at the table every single day, no matter what. And dad was at this end and mom was at that end. And my sister and I were across from each other. And it was always a war going on, you know, (laughs) between the Methodist (laughs) and the Pentecostal. And which is so, what is so funny about that is that they both are traditional Christian, you know, orientations, Christian beliefs, Mm -hmm. but they had, you know, there were nuances of difference. And I used to think, you know, I'm not getting in this because if I ask the question that's on my mind right now, this place is going to blow up. That's where there's going to be crossfire. You get shot at from both sides. From (laughs) both sides. And, you know, more from the Pentecostal side because they are serious. (laughs) I mean, they are. (laughs) They bring weapons to war. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that with love and respect. But it is true. There's not a, you know, a welcoming of free thought thinking. And I think that's important because, you know, we're born, we have a brain and our brain wants to operate, I think. At least mine did. Mm -hmm. You know, you used to tell me this, it's okay, but what about this? What about this? Yeah. You know, no disrespect, but what about this? Yep. And we have to be not afraid. As far as I'm concerned, there's no reason not to ask a question. If you think the question is going to be offensive to the person you're asking the question of, then what are they afraid of? They're afraid that they don't have an answer right. to your question. Or they're afraid that they're going to be accused of something. There can be all sorts of reasons why people don't want to have questions asked. But it usually has much to, more to do with the way that the question is asked and the person is being asked of. You were talking about finding stuff hidden in the 600 plus pages of the Science of Mind textbook. A friend of mine, by the way, has finished proofreading it and found three errors. <laughs> so... People have been at this for a while. If you want to get started with this teaching, with the Science of Mind textbook, the first four, and they're not even chapters because it's before chapter one. So it's, they're four little pieces. It's the thing itself, how it works, how to work it, and one other. And it's the first 50, 60, 70 pages. And it summarizes everything that's in the book. The rest of it dives into greater detail on that. So if you get that six, 700 page book and you don't want to read the whole thing, just read the first four sections of it which I've referred to as the Gospels of Ernest Holmes. And it lays out the teaching in a pretty succinct and clear manner, including page 52, which is my favorite in the whole book, which I'm not going to get into now. Ernest Holmes wrote a lot of books. So there are some that are just delightful, easy reads, like this thing called You. The other one that he wrote that is very emphatic and really clear about the teaching is How to Change Your Life. And that's actually the book that we use in our foundational class on New Thought, which is Beyond Limits, which, by the way, we're teaching another section on coming up in March. So, And it's an online class, so anybody anywhere can enroll with it as long as they're going to be awake at 7 p.m. Eastern time on a Tuesday. And that's the... Always on a Tuesday. Well, you've taken this class before, so I was off the hook for teaching it on a Tuesday. It's the same ideas presented in a different order, and it's not 700 pages long. It's you know, 150, 200 pages long. And it's little digestible nuggets. But the idea is to get started with these ideas of how is it that I can take dominion over my experience and invite in something different, get out of my way, and then let that infinite creative power that creates everything create that for me. Mm. And that's what Jesus was teaching us how to do. Let us take a break. 
because I want to talk about auras. You go, <laughs> we'll do that in a minute. Is Reverend Bill letting you know that the Practical Prayer for Real Results class is now available on demand? That's right. You can take it at your own pace anytime you want. All of the information is at BeTheLight.com. That's B-The-Light.com. You know where to find that stuff. The class is five lessons broken down into 18 modules, and you can take them at whatever pace is comfortable for you. As you work through the process, it starts out with the theory, goes into the practice. There are experiential activities and exercises. And at the end of the program, you will wind up with an understanding of how practical prayer works and a practical prayer for yourself that will work to create transformation in your life. And as you know, it works for everything. Take a look at the class online at BeTheLight.com. There's a sample lesson so you can see how the class is going to work for you and then dive in. The great news is it's on sale now. You can register and save $20 off of the regular price. I'm looking forward to seeing you in class. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marshall. We're, we're talking talk about auras. We're talking about Jesus, and then we're going to talk about auras. And I heard this fascinating talk three or four years ago, and it was at the Anton Retreat and Conference. And the presentation was about this young woman who had gotten basically a scholarship or internship or something to go to this village in northern India. And this is to do her studies of Ayurveda and yoga and their practices. And it happened to be a region where they're really finally clued in on a particular aura. And it's the spiritual aura. Apparently there's different auras in different around different parts of our bodies and different chakras and things. And there's one which is an aura of spiritual intensity. And the people in this little Indian Hindu village talk about Jesus a lot. And they don't talk about Jesus because he's the head of Christianity. They talk about Jesus because they remember when he was there and he had the brightest aura of that that they had ever seen. <laughs> so, oh yeah, remember that guy, Jesus? Wasn't he awesome? He had it going on. And it's simply perceiving that in a different way. So, and still noteworthy that, you know, 2000 years later, they're still talking about him about the impact that he made, but they were seeing something that the rest of us understood, but weren't seeing because we're not tuned into ours that way. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the other things that I found really fascinating with New Thought was it just readings opened me up to how other people, other religions see Jesus. Mm -hmm. And of course, as a Christian and as a pastor, you certainly don't unravel anything else or bring anything else, any other religion into the pulpit or your Bible study. But it was completely fascinating to me how other religions looked at Jesus with such great respect. Mm -hmm. And contrasting that, how Christians look at other religious icons, or I call them avatars. Mm -hmm. And I just think that if it's about love and honor and respect, then you show that for the other avatars if it's not yours, even if it's not yours. 
because, I mean, God is really broad and multifaceted and in so many dimensions. How could we just think that, you know, just put God in a box and say, God only said it this way and this is the only right way to see it? I think it's lovely. (laughs) And it sounds like a very soft way to put it. But to me, that's powerful. It's lovely to see how God uses every religion to say, this is a way to me, you know, and everybody's cultural experience, religious experience is real and powerful and leading to this one God, you know, and to just, and that encouraged me to look at other religions and see how they see God and their path. And rather than to see it in a controversial way, it's just lovely. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And there is such a tendency for us to divide stuff up and then fight about which side is right or wrong. I mean, you were talking about the crossfire that you got between the Pentecostal and the, and the Methodist while you were growing up. And the Sunnis and the Shiites are arguing basically about who the lineage of their prophet is. And the difference between Judaism and Christianity is that Judaism believes that the Messiah is coming and Christianity believes that he already came. And there's a little bit of evidence that Jesus really didn't think he was the Messiah because he said, all this I do, you can do and more. So he's paving the way for another Messiah, not him coming back, but another Messiah. So there's a lot of nuance in there. There's a lot of nuance. And as soon as we get in and start being able to see the difference, oh, well, this is me over here and that's you over there. We believe something different. So let's argue about it. We've missed the point. Yeah. yeah. And when you look at the points that are being made, there's so much the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I read the Tao Te Ching for the first time, I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it said it was 81 verses. I said, oh, okay, I can handle that. <laughs> and so... So I downloaded it and I read it and I thought, well, look at this. There really isn't anything new here. It's nothing different. It may be said in a different way or, you know, put packaged differently in 81 verses. And of course, there are interpretations of that, but basically unchanged, that's pretty much what you've got. And, you know, I said, wait a minute, let's just put away this argument and see where we are saying the same thing. And it's really not a proof statement about who's right or wrong. It's just a place where we can be okay with each other. And that's kind of nice because then I can learn from you and see how you got there. And what's that mean in your culture? Yeah. And how can that help me or enhance where I am in the place that I live? And it's all about good. You know, all things work together for good. That's true. All and there's things, something, not just these things. There's something valuable that comes from all of them. You know, as we've said before, you love like Jesus and meditate like Buddha and pray like Muhammad and believe like Moses and maybe explain like Wayne Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> when, in fact, all of these avatars did all of those things. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Just look at how they complemented each other or still complement each yeah. other. Yeah. And there are practices and perspectives that all of the different teachings have that I think wind up being really, really valuable. You don't have to choose one. And you can choose the new combination. I refer to New Thought as the greatest hits of the world's religions. 
because we were able to borrow the stuff that really works and focus on that and dispense with the things that don't particularly serve us. You know, we take guidance. The practical prayer is the same formula that all religions use in their most effective prayers. And you can find examples of it in scripture as we you know, talk about in the class. And you can learn what the form formula is and then do the prayer and then make it work for you. This is not rocket surgery. This works. And if you get fulfillment by reading Neville or Joel Goldsmith or Don Miguel Ruiz, great. All paths lead to the top of the same mountain. And it doesn't, we get into such a tendency to argue about my path is better. I'm higher up than you are. It doesn't, doesn't make any difference. None. And although all paths lead up to the same mountain, and that's true, it's still harmonizing. Even the different paths are harmonizing. Mm -hmm. And when I read the four agreements, that felt a little different at first because of Taltec. I didn't understand that. But then I, you know, took a little detour and made myself <laughs> a little bit familiar with that. And I said, oh, okay, I get this. All right, now let's go. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't take much. I think it takes the desire to want it to work or want to understand how God works. I like it that way because Ernest Holmes says, you know, how it works. And when I saw the it, I thought, whoa, <laughs> that is so way cool. It? Okay, that makes sense for me. So when I read others, they're talking about how it works or how it, I thought we're talking about the same thing and you might give me an edge that I didn't have over here. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's helpful to me because I, you know, otherwise that's how you leave people at the margin. Right. That we know is not good. Like I've been at the margin a lot, mm -hmm. obviously. And so you want to find out if there really is a margin or it's created. And I found out it's created. Mm -hmm. So once you get it that it's created, it's no more margin. Yep. And back to the key fundamental concept of new thought is unity. There is one. That means that everything is part of that one. That means that there is no other. There is nothing that isn't God. It is all God's first rate material, whether it's showing up as the Dalai Lama or as the homeless guy pushing the shopping cart. That is all just that divine presence revealed in its own way. And if we understand what would make this good and that bad, because we have the judgment that this is good and that's bad, and we can't see the fact that it's all God, then the problem is us. The problem is our inability to see the truth that's there. Now, it's hidden very cleverly. <laughs> it can be disguised in, with great subtlety, but it's not because it's not true. It's just because we're not seeing it. Mm. And very, in many cases, very deliberately. Yeah. Depending on the motive. Yep. Of the, yeah, which is a whole nother thing, but it's worth paying attention to because we, you have to take all the evidence to court when you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be willing to know what's going to come out of it. Freedom is coming out of it. And that's another can of worms. No, I don't want to say can of worms. That's another place to live in a place of freedom. You imagine going to the supermarket and buying a can of worms. Anyway, I digress. It's not the sort of Thanks thing. a lot. That's, There's yeah, a visual that's... you didn't need. <laughs> Let's take a break and then wrap up with a prayer to see the divinity in everything. Get inspiration in an instant. 
God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Mashiach. We've been having a wonderful conversation about different religions, denominations, sects, and oh Jesus, what about Jesus? Can I actually do what Jesus did? Because he said I could, and he must be right, but I haven't believed it up until now. All this I do, you can up do and more. Now. Yeah. So if, in fact, this teaching is correct, and there is one, one creative power and presence, then we are able to fine-tune our awareness of that. And that is the prayer today, a deeper awareness of the divinity in everything. So we'll turn our attention away from the specifics and the details of our life, all of the input that's coming in, because our senses tell us that we're separate. My senses tell me that I have this body of skin, and what's inside the skin is me, what's outside the skin is not me, that there's an other. And this teaching, this philosophy, this truth message is that there is one, one power and presence, one divine love. It is God, it is nature, it is spirit, it is source. It is whatever was here before all of the manifest creation was here. The quantum physicists tell us about the Big Bang. It was a singularity, an impossibly dense bit of matter and energy that has been exploding and expanding and unfolding and evolving and revealing itself. But it's all that one. It is all that one source, one energy, one love, one power and presence unfolding and sharing itself in new ways. So knowing that that's true, I know that I am part of that. I am an individualized expression of the one. The one is not over there, separate from me, separate from any of us and waiting to have an interaction with us. That one is sharing itself as us. And as we open to the awareness of that truth that there is one, we are even more deeply aware, each of us individually and all of us together, of that divinity that shares itself as everything. We are even more deeply aware of our unity with each other, with all of creation. And in that experience of unity, we are connecting even more fully and deeply and richly with the potential, with the possibility, with the creativity, with the new experiences that are available. So with the awareness of that divinity within, we are able to channel that infinite creative power, that divine love to 
create something new and wonderful for and through and in and as us. Good, in all manner that we could describe, is available to us right now. And so I claim it, showing up differently for each of us, channeling that inner divinity, that creative power, that presence, that love, to bring more of the good that we're seeking into our lives, knowing that it's showing up as health and vitality and wellness and comfort in our physical bodies, knowing it's showing up as prosperity and enoughness in being supplied with everything that we are requiring to live our lives in a peaceful and harmonious way. It's showing up as love, as deep committed relationships, as friendships, as alliances, as wonderful relationships with colleagues and coworkers and folks in the neighborhood. It shows up as creativity in the ways that we're sharing ourselves with the world, the work that we're doing, the good that we're bringing into being. And it shows up as a deepening of our spiritual awareness, that absolute sure knowing that that one creative power and presence that is everything, that is everyone, that is everywhere is me, is each of us right here and right now and always. And there is no power that stands in the way of this. There is no other force or presence that can block this. As we open to the awareness of the goodness, the goodness shows up and love unfolds more deeply, more richly, more sweetly, more joyously for each and for all. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the stories we get to tell, the experiences we get to have, the oneness that we get to resonate with and the light that we get to shine. And so with gratitude for all of this good, I speak this word and I release it into that creative law that creates everything. I know it's now creating this. And so I let it be. And so it is. The Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.